so the automatic or the whole automatic workflow for sorting out the audio quality actually is working really well now. So okay. That saved a lot of time. Can we talk about something more interesting? What, like your face? <laughs> That's so rude. That's really rude. I don't understand. What is that? Is that rude? You're particularly rude tonight. I, I, yeah, I told you I've like, I've got weird problems of judgment today. I think I feel slightly unwell and it's really messed with my sense of what's appropriate or not. There was some webcast with some super senior guy on it, like global head or something. And I just commented in like the department chat room. was like, oh, he's really stacked. And then someone else commented like, wait, what do you think the word, what would you think that would mean if I said someone was really stacked? Because I think I might also have this word completely wrong. Built. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. That's exactly like, like really, really muscly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, actually, that's probably quite inappropriate to say. But then I Googled stacked and apparently stacked means someone who's really busty, like someone who's got massive tits. Really? Yeah, apparently. And I was like, I think this is a difference in British versus American usage of the word. I was like, I definitely didn't mean that. And then there was some furious backpedaling. <laughs> I said something was funky to an American and he was not as impressed as I hoped he'd be. Yeah, because funky means like smelly, doesn't it? In American English. American English. Ridiculous. Yeah, so there you go. That's not that bad. Not that bad, no. But a lot of people are not that familiar with British English, it turns out, once you leave Britain. Yeah, I once said um, the term, was it filthy or dirty curry? And someone said, Ting, you should you should be more careful with things like that, with terms like that. Yeah, it's like, no, that's a good thing. Yeah, not all curries are bad, apparently. <laughs> They'd have made it worse. So, do you still feel full from your 225 grams of... Actually, what, what, what meat did we just have? Salt beef. Salt beef. Isn't it? A Reuben sandwich. So do you want to go through why you chose the 225, but now you feel oh, are you, are you... too full, but then you didn't want to get chipped? This is because you overheard me discussing on the phone with someone else just now. You had the choice between small and large, and I chose the large because when I was in Selfridges and at the deli there, I said small, and they gave me half a sandwich. They gave me half a sandwich. I will ask for a small sandwich, not half a normal size sandwich. So, so there's a difference. Well, I think so, yeah. But apparently the difference between small and large here is you can still get a whole sandwich. They just put less beef in it, which is all right. You okay. know, maybe I should have got the small because that was a lot of meat. That was a very substantial sandwich. Yeah, a, a, like a proper meat portion should only be 100 grams. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, the sandwich was more meat than bread. Yeah, I was proud of that sandwich. But by, by some margin, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so full. I'm still really full. Just talking about it's making me sleepy, you see. What have you done, Ting? I wanted a milkshake. You wanted a milkshake? It's because you're... Yeah, this is why your weight's going up and my weight's going down. Just saying. You see, you're married now and, and now you're like, it doesn't matter anymore. And your gut's just growing infinitely. No, it, mar- it matters more now. It matters more? Yeah, because I don't want to give April an excuse. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. I said it. This is on. This is this is being recorded. You better hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Or hope you edit it or out. I edit it out. There's no, it's far too funny to edit out. There's no way I can edit that out. Come on. I can have all the SJWs will be on me. <laughs> unless, unless you slip me a 50. No, I'm kidding. It's Hong Kong. You've got to slip me a 500. Would that be enough? Not that expensive. <laughs> well, it's going up by the second now. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so now we've discovered you're completely politically incorrect. Yeah. Who would have thought that I was the politically correct one? It's amazing what being married does to you. <laughs> really? Just let everything you let everything go. Yeah, clearly. 
clearly, because you weren't like this a couple of weeks ago. Anyway. Okay, so I'm reading Harry Potter. Which one? Eighth book. And have you read the previous books? No. <laughs> was it April you told me this or was it? No, actually, you, you just you just told me that you don't know who's important and who's not important because you have no context. No. This was funnier in my head. <laughs> You're still judging me. He's judging me. Just not through audio. I just think it's really funny that you're reading the eighth book, which is a play, and you haven't read the previous seven, which are like a. Well, I suppose, I suppose the, the previous seven are like a self-contained thing, and the eighth is like a. Well, I was. Is, is it a cash grab? I don't know. You read it. You tell me. Yeah, I, I should read it at some point. I was really tempted to buy it. I was in the airport in WH Smith's debating whether to buy it or not, but I, I didn't. How much is it meant to be? It's like 20 quid. Okay, we paid 250. I thought, bloody hell. 250? Hong Kong dollars. Oh, Hong Kong. Oh. Okay, that is expensive though. You could get it on Kindle for like a tenner. April couldn't wait. She couldn't. She couldn't wait. How, how, wait, surely, surely getting it in Kindle's faster. Actually, it's even out on Kindle, I'm just assuming. We don't have any Kindle devices. You got a phone. Not reading on my phone. Oh, la da First world problems. I'm not reading this book on my phone. I need to buy an e-paper device. Okay. Sorry, I take that back. That sounded really bad. Yeah, it did. I, I, I'm apologising to future Ting who who listened to this. Yeah, that's really bad. I take that back. Oh, God. It's all right. It's recorded now. It, you know, it's going to be on Treasure the internet it. forever. Treasure it. Yeah, future Ting's going to come back and listen to this podcast and be like, wow, I was such a douche. Hopefully for all of... Five minutes. And then he'll pop his collar and he'll be back. <laughs> no fear. Never <laughs> fear. He's back. So so are you enjoying it? It's a play. It's really easy to read. Once you get past the confusion of, who's this Weasley character? And there's there are twists that are happening and I don't know whether they're foreshadowed or not. If I had known what was going on before, maybe I should... Maybe there's more... Ah, <gasps> That's what's happened. April's a big fan of the previous seven books. Yeah, she went to... Where is it? In What's the um, park in Japan? In Japan? There's a Harry Potter. What? Where you can get the, the beer. A butter beer? Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know there was one in Japan. Yeah. Oh, don't cool. Think, don't think it's that big, but yes. Oh, a, cool. I did not know that. It must be universal. Yeah, it must be. I, didn't, I had no idea there was one in Japan. I knew there was one in America. I know there's one in England. And there will be one in America. They're changing Islands of Adventure, I think. Really? Just yeah. into Harry Potter world? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Did, I, did you hear some rumour that Nintendo was going to build a theme park? Yes. Oh, okay. That's the end of story then. <laughs> why is that? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where I heard this rumour from. It's not a credible rumour though, is it? It's just one of those things that comes up every few years. No, it's happening. It's happening? I'm pretty sure it's happening. Okay, fine. They're really going to make use of their IP. They, I mean, they totally should. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Just to think. Mario Kart in real life. Sliding down pipes. Piranha plants. I don't know. There could be a, there could be a real life Pokemon world. There could be a real life Pokemon world. And they could give you, they could give you Pokeballs when you come in and you can throw it at actors. But I can't go in there and enjoy myself. This is the bit where you have to have a kid first, is it? Yeah. Uh, I think so. You can't just be young at heart. So I've never been to Legoland Windsor. Yeah, I've never been to Legoland Windsor. I really want to go. What? Yeah, you're right. It'd look creepy. You're right. Oh, this is sad. I can never go. I can never go. And even if you 
it's it's one of those things where you think, oh, if there's a group of us, it'd be fine. Makes it worse. <laughs> Makes it worse. <laughs> At least you look less like a pedo. <laughs> a bunch of pedos. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. This is terrible. Let's move on. We should start. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. We have here Sir Mike. Hello. <laughs> I'm doing that again. And you are Ting. Ting. <laughs> oh, you're going for the double, the double ting. Yeah, I don't want to be serious. I don't want to ruin the. Uh, you, I don't know. What, which are you? Are you my faithful manservant? Are you the anthropomorphic panda? Are you pop collar douchebag? Panda. We'll go panda. We'll go panda. Okay. Well, actually, you are. Your hair is black and white. <laughs> burn, sick burn. It was okay when we had the other style because it's he worked in the the color. So basically, for those who can't see, <laughs> which is everyone, my sides are basically, they're pure white. You're looking venerable. Yeah, so one of my friends says, it's not good when it's still patchy like this. So I'll fix it. I'll dye it. Fine. Happy now. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. It's all fun and games until someone has a nervous breakdown. Like me. Uh, but anyway. So actually, feel free. You can abuse me as much as you can. So because you've got a head start. No, no, no. Oh. Carry on. Sorry. I don't really want to be me. <laughs> so this is going to be the last... I don't really know... What... This is the last of the old-style book club episodes because we played Bioshock before we decided we're going to change the way we do the book club episodes because we just don't really think they're working. But even though we don't really think they're working, we're just going to do one more anyway. And then knowing our luck is going to turn out really good and we think, oh, maybe we should keep doing this. But I doubt it. I doubt oh. it. But then why are we doing it at all? It might be very good. Well, it's funny. It, this one's a role reversal because this time you've played the game and finished it. And I've kind of just like played a third of it. But it won't be a proper role reversal because I have actually played it before. So I won't be irritatingly asking you questions every five minutes. Like, so what happens at the end? So what does this gun do? So thanks, Ting. I did on purpose so you could stop <laughs> your stupid rant. <laughs> just to stop my me in the mid flow before I... Okay, fine. Hopefully, that, hopefully that means you have to cut it out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll find a way to keep it in. It should be the episode where Ting cries. <laughs> the one where Ting cries. It's like, a, it's like Friends. We're going to go for a Friends naming scheme for future episodes. Yeah, yeah, if I really do cry, it'll take precedence over Bioshock as a title. Yeah, maybe I'll start mining Friends episodes for episode titles and we'll be good for like 10 years. So oh, Bioshock. So I finished it. You played a third of it. What's interesting, it took me 31 hours to finish this game. Yeah, that's crazy, because how long to beat says 18 hours if you're a completionist? Yeah, something like 20 at most. I don't know why. So what were you doing? Really taking my time. Okay, so something I stopped doing, I do this OCD thing where I like to walk around the the edge of a room twice to look for things. I don't do that anymore. And that made me think about encumbrance in Fallout. It artificially slows me down. If you're not correcting me, it means I'm saying something that makes sense. If encumbrance had been in, I would have just filled my pockets and then left. Instead of trying to clear the whole damn room. And actually, that's what I ended up doing in Bioshock as well. Because you can only hold so much money, which was fortunate. I was really surprised by that. I, there's so many things about the game I'd forgotten. So many things I've forgotten. You can talk about them now. Do, do you ever get any upgrades that you hold more money? Or more ammo? You don't, do you? No, you don't. Is the money counter like a four-digit counter? Because that was why I was kind of confused. 
Because like, the max money is like 500. I was surprised anyway that I, it said you can't carry any more money. I was like, oh, I guess I have to buy some stuff. And then it was like, you can't buy any more hypos. You can't buy any more ammo. I was just like, I guess I should be using more ammo then. You can't invent any more stuff. And like, yeah, so much I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that the you invent thing existed. I kind of thought the whole you invent thing was kind of pointless. Why have these other resources as well? They don't seem to serve any purpose other than just being a more complicated form of money. And it's not in a fun way. It's not like you have to go out of your way to particularly like say, oh, I need brass tubes. I need to kill this kind of enemy. It's just you're going to organically get them anyway. So, And there's no decision making. Oh, do I want to craft some of these or do I want to craft some of that? It was just craft as much as you can because you just have too much. So I personally did not really get the point of you invent. I forgot power to the people existed for the weapon upgrades as well. Those ones you can use each station once, can't you? And I guess that's just a matter of upgrading the guns you like. Fair enough. That's a fairly sensible mechanic. And what was the other one? Oh, the camera. The camera's the other one. Yeah, I'm not sure how I felt about the camera. I think because I'm like always min-maxing, as soon as I got the camera and I had loads of money, I just maxed out the film capacity. So I bought like a hundred film and then... It just meant that I started every encounter with the camera. So I started buying more health packs because I was just tanking so much damage because I would just run up to people and take a photo of them at the start of every fight until I'd maxed out all the research. It's like, right, I've maxed out the research. I'm going to just start shooting these people again now. I'm not sure what the intended way to play with the camera is, but I was that's how I was playing with it. It was a bit farcical. You're right. I mean, I've forgotten so much. I can't remember if this is how I played it last time. It probably is, though, because that was another weird thing. Like, coming back to the game after having played it many years ago and then weirdly discovering all the same habits again you know i thought oh, i'm going to try and speed through it i'm going to try and play differently and i just couldn't do it i just immediately fell back into old habits i was also methodically exploring every nook and cranny picking up every item getting every upgrade i intended to play the evil route and to harvest the little sister instead of freeing them and i just couldn't do it i came up to the first little sister and i was just like oh geez fine i can't do it rescue and it's like you know i just couldn't do it hurrah there's still hope for you yeah so in your first playthrough you got the good ending yeah i got the good ending do you know what the other endings are i've watched them on youtube should we say spoilers oh yes spoilers spoilers for bioshock spoilers for bioshock so you saved them all i saved them all i got rewired it in case i hadn't saved them all do you know what happens if you don't save them all there's two flavors of bad ending aren't there they're basically, you take over the world, like you invade the surface with an army of splicers. If you had a mixture of save and harvest, then Tenenbaum has like a disappointed voice. And if you harvested all of them, she's got an angry voice and that's the only difference. So what happens if I don't touch any of them? Oh, I don't know. Can you even do that? I think you've got no option. I think the first one, you have to do something. It won't let you out of the room unless you do. Okay, and then the, uh, the future ones, if I don't touch them, I can still get the good ending. If I... Save the first one. I'm asking questions that are hard to answer. I I don't know. I assume so. I assume so. I think because there are many points in the game where it forces you to do something. You're not allowed to progress unless you've done this thing. And I think this is one of those moments. It was very cinematic, though, when you first see the first little sister. And the lighting's quite good. It's all dramatic. There's the the strong light from behind you, like you're looming over this small child. So that was quite dramatic and i was like yeah you're right i can't do this do you want to talk about the story yes by all means i thought it was okay i mean coming into the harry potter thing again 
<laughs> I, I think it's I think it's funny your relationship with fiction because yeah you generally don't care about the story at all but you like you liked it you what surprised me the big twist in Bioshock which is the thing I was really looking forward to you discovering would you kindly yeah and you were just like eh, it was alright it's like what do you mean it was alright there's like the cleverest thing in the game it's like I thought it was amazing. It's like, well, I mean, without getting into Bioshock Infinite, which is a, which is a whole other thing, but it makes you reevaluate the whole game up to that point. But it doesn't really, because everything is... Okay, let's talk about what really happens first. We can talk about it, let's you outline it, and then we'll talk about critique it and review it. So for the first, what, two-thirds of the game, there's a character called Atlas, and he kindly requests with these, you know, a trigger phrase... Which is well, he's got a like a pseudo Irish accent, yeah. and the, it's played off like it's just a turn of phrase. Like, oh, would you kindly go over there? Would you kindly kill the son of a bitch? You know, he's he just says, "Would you kindly?" It feels very natural. Like, it's yeah, like, it's very natural. Like, cause it's a, like the first time you encounter little sister. He's like, "Oh, would you kindly lower your weapon?" And your character will put down their weapon. You become very used to hearing him say it, and it's very much a turn of phrase for him. But. They don't really ham it up. It sounds very natural. It just sounds like it's the way he happens to talk. The big twist is you are some genetically engineered and programmed clone of Andrew Ryan, is it? I thought you were... Or son of Andrew Ryan? yeah. So you're related to him, which is why all the weird genetic locks work for you. But you also have this command phrase. And every time he says, would you kindly followed by an instruction you have to do it and that's why you know i take issue it's i don't have to do it but i do but i'm just from all my gaming experience i just do what i'm told it's not like i'm really given a choice but i think this is the role-playing aspect because within the context of the game you have to do it because the game won't let you advance until you do what he's kindly asked you to and that's all i i know so it's not really a choice. I know I have to do it to progress the game. Uh, I'm going to blame this from you playing too much COD, because COD works like this, doesn't it? In COD, they're like, you have to kick the door down, and it makes it feel like you've got 10 seconds to do it, but if you actually just stand there for half an hour, they'll all be standing around the door dramatically going, you've got to kick the door down! But you don't really have to kick the door down. But you kind of do. And that's what this was like as well. Really. So I suppose that's why you, you don't feel like it was a thing. But you, you had no inkling that this was the twist in Bioshock. because I, Did you? Because this game is, what, 2007? No, I didn't know this was the sh- twist. I was, I was looking for a twist. At one point, I thought, where's Fontaine? I thought I was Fontaine. I told you that. Ah, uh, yes, yes. That's the best I had. Okay. Because I, I wondered if it's like the I mean, spoilers for Portal, if, if such a thing can be spoiled so many years later, like the cake is a lie. You know, I thought it might be one of those things where it's been so long that you've just subconsciously picked it up and that's why it wasn't a surprise to you. Or, because the t- I know there's a twist coming, there's less impact. Because Bioshock, playing at the time, it's not like watching your sixth M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong film. You're not expecting the twist. In the same way that for Infinite, I was not expecting it. And that absolutely floored me. It's really funny because for Infinite, I was expecting the twist. I was like, where's the twist? Where's the twist, man? This is so straightforward. And then, bang. You get knocked out. But the twist in, for me, pacing-wise, I mean, this is this is my recollection of the game from having finished it nine years ago now. 
I thought the game really went downhill after the big reveal with Andrew Ryan and Would You Kindly. The game after that point was actually a bit of a disappointment. I just remember putting the suit together and taking on Fontaine. Is there anything between that? You have to deprogram yourself of your kill phrase as well. Okay. And you meet up with Tenenbaum for that. But oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, it's the meeting with Andrew Ryan, the key phrase, like learning that that's what it does to you. The, the whole a man chooses, a slave obeys, and then showing you're a slave because whether you want to or not, you kill him. And particularly, it's just recasting the whole game up to that point, which which seems to be Bioshock's thing now. It's funny, though. I haven't played Bioshock 2. I actually have no idea what happens in Bioshock 2 and whether there's a similar twist in there. But certainly, making you reanalyze the game up to that point, did I really want to do that? If I really had had choice, would I have done this? I mean, as you said, you had no choice, really. The game is railroading you, because otherwise the plot won't make sense. But And maybe if I'd played this in 2007, I'd be much more impressed. Because things like Uncharted do it very well. It you, just... You think? Like, just pushes you down. It guides you down one route. I thought... I actually felt Uncharted was a bit ham-fisted about it. Uh, Uncharted is very... Well, let's not talk about Uncharted. Fine. But you're right. If, if it just ended on that point and that moment it'd be much more satisfying and then you'd be focusing on no your 10 15 hours prior to that but instead you're trying to collect your bits and pieces for your big daddy suit yeah and the ending i just felt was very unsatisfying i mean he turns into a big gold statue and then he gets killed by the little sisters i mean the ending was just very hollywood wishy-washy it's like the easy way out was very cheap whereas would you kindly was very smart, I felt. Maybe it'd been too dark a finish. Probably. You're probably right. I, it was very interesting playing the game again, because obviously playing the game again from the start, I was really looking out. Like every time I heard the words, would you kindly? I was like, aha, I know what's up here. You know, I was much more keyed in for it. And noticing even the beginning cutscene where he's smoking a cigarette and you can see the piece of paper he's holding, it actually says in the top corner, oh, hi, son, would you kindly? So, yeah, much more attuned to it second time around. I, I don't know if there's any more you want to talk about on this. I just want to say, uh, it's really good. Grace a great story. And just, we just, I don't know, crit- we're not criticising it. We just, you know, this is all why we're here, to talk about it. But it's a fucking great story. Yeah, I don't want to be too harsh. I, I, just, I don't want to be too ungrateful at this very moment. Yeah, it was definitely very, very good. It was an it was an amazing moment in in gaming. It is definitely up there. For me, weirdly, it was just that one moment. I'm not sure I actually like Bioshock as a whole that much. I don't I'm not really sure it deserves a ninety five. Is it a ninety five? Is it more than ninety five? I don't know. Ninety five? Ninety five is good enough. Or oh, ninety six, I don't think it'll be any more. So that that moment is definitely really up there, but the rest of it, I'm not so hot on. Like, I, I'm not sure I really rate the gunplay or the enemy placement. It feels very weird and it feels weird and scripted. Things popping in, very unrealistically enemies spawning. The well, balance is all weird. The guns feel weird. Well, let's talk about your big daddy encounters. How did they play out for you? What was your strategy? What was your plan? And this is a really interesting point of how I played this time versus how I played the first time. Because the first time I was really apprehensive about fighting Big Daddy and I did so much prep and I'd be like laying traps of them and doing all the stuff and taking it really seriously. And then 
obviously having played the game before in the past was like oh it's a big daddy just and, and as soon as i saw one it's just like kill it because they're like oh it's a big daddy you should be it's like no, no no machine gun done really simple as that yeah okay then and but but you're right it definitely was not like that the first time i remember very laboriously setting up traps for them using the proximity mines using the grenades hacking turrets and surrounding them i took it much more seriously when i first played the game but it was only towards the end of the game the first time when I realised actually they're not a big deal. By the time I got to the end of the game, my build was, I think I had like armored shell two, so I took reduced damage. I had the plus wrench damage from melee damage. I had the thing that heals you when you do melee damage, and I just literally was killing big daddies by walking up to them and smacking them over and over and over with the wrench. So I became very blasé about it, and that did carry over into this second playthrough years later. I was just oh a big daddy shoot it. Okay, you're right. So when you take the encounters. When you plan them and try to, I say, add depth to them. That's the wrong word because there's no depth. That's well, no, I think it shows, it shows no. a lot of it is psychological because you definitely can. And I think it does add more to the game. But if you know that you can just take it down with a machine gun, it's not the same. Okay. I liked Bioshock because of the options. You didn't just have to go in with a machine gun. You could use turrets, hack the cameras. You could turn the big daddies on the enemies. And you had the plasmids. Was it plasmids or is, it, is that the other game? No, it's plasmids. Plasmids as well. So you had options to the gunplay, which I quite liked. It's not a straight shooter like COD, as good as COD is. You know what? It's really funny. It's weird hearing you say this, but, but you, you are probably the one who's correct because you're playing it through a fresh set of eyes because I'm coming from it, having played it before. And I think like I said earlier, just falling straight back into old habits. I'm playing it like I did after I'd finished the game and figured out the most efficient way to play it. And I immediately just started the game and started playing it the most efficient way. So I knew which guns to use, which guns were garbage, which plasmids to bother keeping equipped to my character. And I was just playing it very, very efficiently, which is not necessarily, you know, there, there was no discovery for me. It's like, I know what everything does. I think you're probably the one who's right here. But go back to 2007 Mike. Yeah, 2007 Mike was like totally pumped for Bioshock. That's all we need to hear. Apart from the fact that it's very, I mean, I, it's so bland. It's all green. It's all green and brown. I mean, I know that was all the rage at the time. But I don't really like the aesthetic. I thought it was boring. And it's funny because when we first talked about making this the book club game, I think I said, oh, I think it still looks good. I think, you know, I think it's aged well. And then playing it now, it's like, actually, no, it really hasn't. It's really surprising that a game that looked good at the time, looking at it now, does not. I think it's mostly the texture resolution that's the big problem. Like, it just looks, everything just looks so, like, so muddy. Just big, fat pixels everywhere. I think that's the main problem more than anything else. Big, fat pixels everywhere. Big, fat pixels. I sound like a fucking Microsoft... Scorpio, they're the most beautiful pixels, uncompressed pixels. I sound like that, don't I? <laughs> it's funny though, hearing from hearing it from you. Yeah, I know. I've become what I hate. But yeah, I was surprised. And I can still remember some things about how I viewed it in 2000 and 2007. Let's go with those. So I remember the first time I played it, the opening cutscene on the plane and you're reading the note, blah, 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 the plane crashes and you surface above the water and there's all the fire. And I remember just watching my screen and be like, what's going on? Because I didn't realise the cutscene had ended. 
because it was all so seamless. The the video and then the actual in-engine look of the game, it looked it looked so good at the time. I didn't realise that the cutscene had ended and the game had begun. And that was a really striking moment for me. I remember thinking, wow, this game looks incredible. So for 2007, it really, it really was amazing. But I guess that's why they're remastering it. I don't know whether they'll quite be able to recapture that. I mean, a, a jarring thing, I guess, this time was the resolution of the video versus the resolution of the, the game is quite different. So I don't know how easily they will be able to, uh, recapture it. Then again, they could, they could do all the cutscenes in engine now. They've definitely got the horsepower. So don't know. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what, what did you feel about the look? I played Infinite after finishing Bioshock for a few hours. Infinite's really good. Infinite's so pretty. That's the thing. I just, Infinite, I feel, is... Yeah, I think we talked about this before we started recording. I, I was saying it made me appreciate Infinite a lot more. Like, the colour, the feel of the city. Infinite is a really much more realised Bioshock to me. Well, I, I mean, is that fair? It's, not fair. it's, it's yeah. just an evolution of it. It's a... It's a time and place thing. I mean, Bioshock is a successor to System Shock 2. And you can see that Bioshock is Bioshock is trying to be a streamlined System Shock 2. And many of the weird mechanics in Bioshock are because of deeper, more RPG-like mechanics in System Shock. In System Shock 2, you do have infinitely respawning enemies. Uh, in System Shock 2, you've got an inventory, you've got research, you've got another hacking mini game that's not quite like pipe dream but still clicking on nodes in a circuit so bioshock was kind of like a dumbed down slash streamlined system shock 2 bioshock infinite i guess is a streamlined bioshock which means that all of the complicated rpg-ish stuff is really ripped out it is i guess much more like a shooter really is but it's a really pretty really good story shooter only in at the end. Only at the end. You're right. Bioshock Infinite, if not for the end, is a... Just a pretty shooter. It's just a pretty shooter. I think we talked about this on the podcast before. You saying that Bioshock Infinite went from a 95 to a 94 and you weren't going to bother finishing it. And then you'd have, you'd have really wasted your time. And Kez, who you've met... Convinced you. No, he actually finished it with me. He said, Ting, you're almost near the end. Let me sit down with you and we'll play through it. And like, okay then, since it's not that long, I'm not sure why. And it was amazing. So he had he finished it already? He had finished it. So oh, he, he uh, see, he's a good friend. He bought it for me for my birthday. So he was invested. You said the Bi- Bioshock story was better than Infinite's. Did I say that? You'll deny that. I say a lot of things. I really thought Would You Kindly was a really clever and powerful moment because it made you reconsider everything you'd done up to that point. Or maybe my response to that was, but it wasn't as powerful as Infinite's. And Infinite's... Infinite's is a different sensation, but you're right. it It is a similar kind of... It's a related concept, I guess, because in Infinite, you're like, this guy's evil, he's he's a monster, and then you realise, oh, actually, the monster is you. That's a much more powerful re- revelation to me, because I can't do anything about that. 
I felt that oh shit, shit. And that's something I should have come to terms with on the way there. Whereas with Bioshock, I felt you've tried to give me the illusion of choice, which was never there. Well, it's calling into the question the idea of free will. You were thinking, I want to advance the game, so I'm going to pull the switch. But really, your character's pulling the switch because they were instructed to pull the switch. Whether they wanted to advance the game or not, if they hadn't wanted to pull the switch, they were still going to pull the switch. Whether or not your motivations lined up, you have to do it. I can, he- I can definitely hear where you're coming from. I can see why it's clever. But it's just not how I see it. We did kind of touch on this. I was saying, I was blaming this on your feelings towards fiction and narrative and the idea that you don't feel embodied in the character you are just like looking at it from the outside in so the idea of like this guy's a bad guy and then it's easier for you to go yeah he's a bad guy and the character i'm playing is a bad guy versus i am playing as jack it's my decisions i'm the one controlling this character and then it's like oh no i'm not really controlling this character anyone who says would you kindly is controlling the character You've articulated it very well. <laughs> Fair play to you. But I'm not talking about Bioshock, I'm talking about Infinite. <laughs> yeah, the, just having the idea of Infinite Worlds is just too powerful for me. That's just way too much for me. Because that kind of thing really challenges the mind. It's really funny because I guess I just, just like, and I read a lot of sci-fi though. The, uh, things like that are just very run-of-the-mill to me. Uh, I've seen that in so many things. I guess that to me it was not a new concept. You're desensitized to it. Yes. So time travel doesn't excite you anymore, I guess. Time travel's fun, but as soon as anything invokes time travel, it's just like, oh, here we go. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Like, you can do anything you like. But you better get it right, otherwise Mike's gonna... Well, you need to have a self-consistent time travel. You know, how does it really work? It probably doesn't really work, because otherwise we'd have party animals from the 20th century popping by. Well, or maybe we wouldn't, because we've all made ourselves extinct next year. Uh, Like, who knows? Well, you have to invent some self-consistent rules of time travel in your universe and stick to them. This is nothing to do with Bioshock now. But Bioshock Infinite is actually quite dark if you really think about it. How many universes did you pass through in the story of Bioshock Infinite? How many universes did you doom to like a terrible future? The ending of Bioshock Infinite is not exactly a happy one anyway. And how many of those universes you passed through in the game were much, much worse? But it was so satisfying. It was a nice way to tie Bioshock Infinite to Bioshock because initially there's no reason for them both to be called the same thing apart from, but well, I mean, there is, it's marketing and that's a perfectly valid reason as well. There's, you know, Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you know, the Final Fantasy games have no connection to each other anyway. So why not just have two games called Bioshock something that are completely unrelated? I was completely fine with that. I don't think they really needed to tie them together. But I think they did a nice job of it. And realising now that Raptor Bioshock actually looked very dated, seeing Bioshock in Bioshock Infinite's engine and their take on it, actually that was nice. Bioshock in Bioshock Infinite's engine? Yeah, because at the end of Bioshock Infinite, you show up in Rapture. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But I guess you hadn't noticed this because you hadn't played Bioshock at the time. So you were just like, oh, now I'm underwater. No, I knew, I knew. It's very obvious. So you you prefer Infinites? I think Infinite was a... Uh, yeah, Infinite... I know Infinite had a very troubled existence. I know they had to... You said they had to bring in a closer yeah. to finish it. It had some... It, they're not even really rough edges. They had some just weird game design decisions, I guess. Like, it was very... 
it was shallower. Like it felt like it should have been deeper than it was with some of the combat, some of the scenarios, some, some mechanics felt underutilized. Like the whole sky rail thing was just completely pointless. And they probably would have been better off without it because it made no sense anyway. Like how would that system even work? Come on. Seriously. It's like doing, it'd be like doing pull-ups all day. It's just impossible. Unless you're stacked like so, Mike. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What was there, I thought, was very good. The setting was very well realised. I just really like touches like the the modern music rendered in whatever era. You know, like, girls just want to have fun, but like playing on a pipe organ. It had some really great moments. Really great set piece moments. Yeah, th- there's one scene which I r- remember particularly is when time has moved on dramatically and Elizabeth has aged and things have gone to shit she's looking out the window and there's i think there's zeppelins and it's things are on fire and there's like a, a storm going on she turns around and she's like aged and she says like time is the only enemy of all and something along those lines that was powerful to me <laughs> i don't know why it was like i think i was feeling old at that moment or something it's really funny. Like, i thought shit. that was like one of the weakest bits of the game that bit i thought that bit of the game was really like really hamming it up and just looked really over the top it was like just like play acting i, I felt like that was one of the least convincing bits of the game weirdly i i don't i don't remember that much about it other than that it felt quite jarring to me that game was released in 2013 which was when i turned 30 and that's that's why that messaging was so powerful to me because I didn't want to say this while we were recording, but I'm going to say it. I wrote it out my journal. I have a journal, okay? I have a journal, okay? Don't judge me. I think it's nice. You're probably not surprised, though. Not many people would be, I think, if they knew me. I should probably keep one. I mean, I forget everything. Even lay moments like this. But I was trying to justify this by saying I just turned 30 and Elizabeth had just told me time was running out. Time is going to be is against all of us. And it felt like she was talking directly to me. And then you were going to say... I think I feel like it was all the time. I think I felt like it was for many, many years. You know, time is the enemy. Yes, like the only... Uh, you know, why do I feel stressed? Why do I feel like, you know, the fear of missing out? All these things. It's just because you're getting old. You're getting old. This is why you can't go to Legoland without looking like a weirdo. It's just getting old. There are certain things you have to do, but there's like a time and place for everything. And then you can just totally miss them and then you're screwed. Look at me now. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing? I'm just going to be old and weird. I'm going to be old and weird surrounded by cats. You're crushing it on a daily basis, Sir Mike. Uh, and what for? I'm going to be on my deathbed surrounded by my many cats, wishing I'd done more work. Is that what they say? No one says that. But then at your funeral, I'll be saying, he <laughs> was crushing it on a daily basis. He was crushing it. He was crushing it. And you hear this chorus of meows. Yeah. Totally. Wrecking it. I'm going to crush those fools. I do enjoy crushing it, though. I do enjoy crushing it. I think that's the only reason I'm still there. I think it's the only reason I'm still there. Like, I hate it. I hate it. But then I'll crush some fool and then it'll be fine. On your five hours of sleep. But what kind of monster are you? It's terrible. I have become one of those awful, awful people that I hated. It's just like, who spends like £10 a day on coffee? Me. I spend like £10 a day on coffee. I just drink coffee constantly and just like point at people. I don't know. I'm a horrible person at work terrible i don't know how i get by i'm not really i'm quite nice you just asked whether i wanted to work for you <laughs> <laughs> no i did do you have the venti size coffee yet or is that is that beneath you i mean 
No, no, I do the opposite. I, I drink, I drink the smallest coffee. I drink short Americanos because it's a, it's a fun fact. Fun fact. If you get like a tall latte or something, they'll put one shot into it. Yeah. And if you get, if you get a short Americano, which is smaller than the tall size, obviously it's the smaller size. You've got to ask for it especially. They don't even have it on the thing. They put in two shots at Pacific Coffee. I think Starbucks might be different, but Pacific Coffee, short Americano is two shots. But a tall is one. Tall is probably two too, but it's more diluted. Okay. Lattes are only one shot. I didn't know that. Yeah, lattes only one shot. Like, you see them if they if they make a latte, you know they get two shot glasses and they just pour one of them in and they keep one on the side for the next latte. You get a short americano, they just decant two shots into the cup and put a little bit of water in. It's basically a double espresso with a bit of water. I was going to say, is it like a caramel frappuccino? Just because I'm being rude. I'm really sorry. I don't know what's happened. Well, it turns out caramel frappuccino actually has coffee in it, which I totally did not. I, I remember we ordered caramel frappuccinos a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why, actually. I can't remember why. You're like, I want a caramel frappuccino. I was like, okay, I'll get one too. And I said, oh, because I need some coffee. And I was like, does it even have coffee in it? And then you... <laughs> you, you, you were like, you sent me... Did you, you actually emailed me, wasn't it? WhatsApp. Well, you. you WhatsApped me a link to show that it does actually have coffee in after the fact, just to make sure I knew. Because at one moment you thought, I'm not... Like, you were questioning how I managed to survive 33 years. You know, sometimes you were saying like, sometimes I don't know how people survive in this world, how they've managed to even live this long. And I, <laughs> I thought, shit, I need to get some respect back from Sir Mike. <laughs> I don't remember saying this. I think I must float. This is why, like, you know, I should keep a journal. I'm floating through life saying just, like, ridiculous things that I have no recollection of. I'm a horrible person. I, I, I probably only think I'm quite nice. At work, probably everyone's like, that Mike's such a dick. I always focus on the bit where it says, oh, you're writing. I mean, it may be like a whole 24 hours afterwards, but... It's fine, I'll take it. So, yeah, it turns out they do have coffee in after all. Because <laughs> I remember being really confused when I was drinking. It's like, does this have coffee in? Or is the bitterness coming from, like, the burnt sugar? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Turns out it was coffee. Because then we had an- another coffee that evening, and I really couldn't sleep that night. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I was just like, same as ever. This is probably why I have five hours sleep, though. I'm just drinking coffee constantly all day. So I spoke to you that I was, at one point I was Googling what's the optimal amount of coffee you should drink? <laughs> you mentioned this. You laughed at me. Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, you tell me. How, how are you doing it? You're uh, doing quite well, I think. No, I'm drinking... I, I have... I don't really spend $100 on coffee. I, I have I have one in the morning and I have one at three in the afternoon, usually. Oh, so four shots. Four shots, yeah. Still quite a lot. But you're crushing it, so it's the optimal amount. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm really crushing it. Not sure I'm really crushing it. Duh. <laughs> Done. We always have this problem though with this bu- the book club games. How do we end it? Do we give it a score? Do we or, give it? A- have we talked about everything we wanted to cover? I'm trying to think. I think you're right. There's no point extending this needlessly. It reminds me of the. Oh, we're gonna get. I'm gonna get all meta for a minute. It reminds me of the Undertale book club episode, where we recorded one that was like an hour's rambling, and then we recorded another one that was like 30 minutes of like bang, 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 compact, and yet. Undertale is a weird game. <laughs> I'm talking about Undertale now. That you know, we we had that 30 minute chat about it, and that was fine. But if I had to talk about it for six hours, which is as long as the whole damn game, I could probably talk about it for six hours too. And Bioshock, Bioshock is it is quite a turning point in the. Is it a turning point? It was a very major game. It was the major game for 2007. So, 
I do think playing it now versus playing it then, it's a game that has been analysed to death, I think. Are you sad you missed it in 2007? Do you feel like it was worth it? I'm not sad I missed it. It was worth playing. Narratives have just come such a long way since 2007. It's just nine years now. But I say that not having played many RPGs. It's a good game. It is a good game. I personally, having played both of them, I think I like Infinite more at this point. What it made me realise is I'd quite like to play the Infinite DLC, which links Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite together. Because the perspective we're coming from, neither of us has played the DLC for Infinite, have we? And I think playing them would probably make me feel differently about both games. It might make me like like them less, for all I know. Because I'm not sure they really need to be tied together. No, they don't. Just, it's just fan service. Yeah, I don't know. But that is kind of... Well, I mean, that's not much of a resolution at all, is it? Not unless you're going to commit to it. <laughs> well, it, it could be a future book club game, perhaps. I can really feel the commitment there. <laughs> I've got too many other things to play. I have to I have to be able to complain about No Man's Sky. Controversial. <laughs> Not controversial. That's like following <laughs> the crowd at the moment. Controversial would be saying, I love No Man's Sky. It's the best game ever. It lived up to all the hype. If only. If only. So, with, what, what do you have anything insightful to finish up on? Eight. Eight. Eight out of ten. We were Lost Levels Club. <laughs> we are Lost Levels Club. You can catch us on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. You should rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You should and send us nice feedback. Are we on Reddit? Yeah, I'm still... We're still Do you still... Seriously, you still post that? I'm still posting on Reddit. r slash Lost Levels Club. Yeah, no one reads it. Only me. That's it. That's it. Bye-bye. Bye.